Good morning. Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, today's message is going to be coming out of Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 31. And here it says, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath in everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for... In him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And that is the worthy Lord. All right, uh, George, if you'd like to come on up. George will be uh, preaching today, and uh, we'll pray for him as he gives the message. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you, if you can pray with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for George. Thank you so much for the word you have put on his heart. Lord, thank you so much for just the stirring, Lord, and the leading you've given him, Lord, to be able to communicate us um, just the word that you're speaking to him today. Lord, we pray for, uh, for ears to hear, uh, for eyes to see, and Lord, also for just the Spirit's leading, Lord, um, as George speaks to us today. Yes. So, Lord, let you be glorified uh, and uh, help us understand and, uh, and just be able to grow closer to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Great prayer. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Amen. Well, Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I'm excited about uh, 2023. Uh, 2022 is gone. It's history. So I've got something on my heart that I do want to share with you today. I appreciate that prayer, Samuel, and you're reading the scripture there. Uh, I'm a little bit um, hoarse today, I guess, because I had to take a sinus pill. I apologize. And um, that's got me kind of this way. My voice sounds that way. But I'm going to do it anyway. We're going to have a good time this morning. Um, the first day of the year, the first service, the first sermon, um, is to encourage us. 
and encouraging us here is I think I have something here that will help to stir us up and to get us going. I have this, years ago I found in a Christian bookstore the saying that said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's okay to laugh. That thing kind of spins your head a little bit. I'll say it again. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And I agree with that. I like that saying. I've been saying it for years. That's why I titled the name of this, serv- this uh, sermon this morning, What is Your Main Thing? What is your main thing? Uh, the Westminster Confession says that the chief duty or the supreme duty of man is to what? Glorify God. Amen. And then it continues on and it says something that's very, very important also. It says, and to enjoy Him forever. Hallelujah. God has a wonderful plan. Let me tell you, God is doing His thing. God is working. God is working at His plan. Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 1, that God works all things after the counsel of His own will. He is performing His own, and it pleases Him to perform His will. He sent His Word. Isaiah 55 tells us He sent His Word to us. It will accomplish what He sent it to do. It will not return unto Him void. His Word is working in the earth. He is accomplishing His plans and His purposes. Amen. Hallelujah. He chooses and He acts to fulfill His Word. We know His Word is active. People always know, what is God doing? God's performing His Word. God is active. God is active everywhere. God is pleasing Himself. Hallelujah. He's got the right plan. Amen? The main thing. Uh, Conformity, He makes it in a sense happen there. I'm going to kick in with Psalms 24.1 here, which I love it so much. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the they, some translations say those, but the they that dwell therein. Hallelujah. God claims the earth and He claims everything in it and He claims every person. Hallelujah. That's God. He built it. He laid it out. It is His personal property. Um... It shows how personal and how active he is that God is working. And you can tell this by the Bible says that the universe uh, is a revelation of God, that the heavens declare the glory of God. Amen? When you looked at the heavens, they can't find there the end of it. They've clocked 32 billion light years and still can't find there the end of it. The heavens declare the glory of God. Hallelujah. And the firmament shows and proclaims His handiwork. It shows that in nature, nature is His handiwork. And He is active in His handiwork in the sense as of what Paul told us in Romans chapter 1. I know we get to live in this beautiful city here, but this city is speaking, even though people may not realize it is speaking, but God is speaking. Paul says in Romans 1 in verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them because He has shown it to them. 
for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In these things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. I don't know if you look at nature like it. You see how beautiful Antalya is. Well, it speaks a design. It speaks of a designer. It speaks to bring God glory. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's still in a fallen state. It will end up being more wonderful and more beautiful. But it's what? Do the mountains speak about God when you look at them? You think of His majesty. You think how wonderful, in a sense, that it is. There's people that love nature. Uh, not picking on anybody if you're a tree hugger today. But... Um, we want to take care of nature. But um, people that love nature, they need to realize that uh, it came from God. They need to love the maker. Not put the creation above the creator, but to love the creator. And that's a message from God that he is the creator. Whether it's the city, this land, this people, this entire world, God made it all for himself and for his glory. Hallelujah. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. Amen. Acts chapter 17, one of my wonderful chapters that I love so much. Of course, I love them all, but you know, how it ministers to us. I had, a, had to think about this chapter. It's got something in here that I'm not going to share anything too much with you that you don't already know, but I want it to be a, an encouragement to us today as much as this right here, this chapter encourages me. I once had the privilege of declaring the good news before a people that had never heard the good news on the backside of the Peruvian mountains. And man, I had to speak simply because of the Indian group I was speaking to, but I had to also not bring them a, forgive me, a, a, an American God, or you know what I'm talking about. And so in reflection, I remembered this chapter here, which has been a big chapter in my life, remembered how to, in a sense, to declare God before people who had not heard about God. Or they were superstitious here. They were very religious. They had all kinds of statues here in Acts chapter 17. But they had some of them were to the unknown God who they were ignorantly worshipped. Paul, as any good preacher, took his chance and said, uh, okay, I'm going to preach to you. I'm going to make this unknown God known to you. In other words, he's going to proclaim God or he's going to declare God. I strongly believe that we should always be proclaiming and declaring God. How good he is, how wonderful he is, how much he loves us, how he blesses us, just continually on his attributes and how wonderful in a sense that he is. But there's something here that to me is very, very powerful. You know how preachers will say, well, just get this one thing. Well, I hope you get more than one thing, but it's an important thing here to get. But regardless of what I'm saying or what I'm doing, as Sam prayed, the Spirit of God can move in your heart from all of this today and to pinpoint something that sense to you because everybody here is in a different place, a different person, and it may be a different spiritual level in that sense like that. But as he's declaring God to these people who do not know God, he says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and of earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though that he would need anything. 
but he himself gives to all mankind life and breath. Where does life and breath come from? It comes from God, the creator. Hallelujah. And it says everything. And he made, I wish the world could get this. I wish people could understand this. This would change all the fighting and all the stuff that's happening. People would just listen to God's word. He made from one blood or one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. That would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? Amen. We have to remember that. We who believe the Bible have to believe it. If we believe it, then we have to live it. Of that, He made all uh, nations, all mankind, all ethnic groups, all the people groups to live on all the face of the earth. And He has the one who has determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Now the translation says He has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation or their placing. Or even you could go, it could be defined even in residence in that sense. And it says for them that they should seek happily after God. And I like it where it goes on where he says that God is not far from each and every one of them, as Paul's declaring that. We know that God is not far from each and every one of us. He's active and he's involved in that. And then he goes on and quoting his poets, but he means it the same way. I love this verse. In him we live and we move and we have our being. One more time. In Him, we live and we move and we have our being. Now, with that, I'm going to point this out. You've heard something probably similar to this before. This is very, very important uh, to me in my own personal life, but it's important to every single person in here, any person that would listen to this. And that is, when you think about this, not a one of us in this room, or any of us, picked to be born None of us picked to be, picked our parents. None of us picked the time. None of us picked where we would be born. Uh, we didn't pick to be uh, male or female, and that shouldn't change. That should not change. It should be in a sense has that, deal like that. And so... This right, what we're saying about it is, is God is, I'm just trying to explain to you that when God, it's not just the other folks that are in the Bible that you can run down from how he made Adam, but then run down with Abraham or with uh, Moses or David or Paul or Peter, any of them. It's when God saw fit, God is the one that sets what? The generations. He's the one that sets the timing. Jesus would put it a little bit different words like this. He would say, God knows every single sparrow and there's not a one of them that He doesn't know about. He's not talking about sparrows. He's talking about how close God is to you. Even to the point of saying, God even knows the numbers of the hair on your head. He's revealing the personal God. He's revealing how close that God is to us. And that God has a plan for us. And so with God setting the appointed times, it says He has set the boundary lines. He has set the habitation. He has set the generations. Then He has brought us forth at the right time. Let me set everybody easy. 
I found out last week that I'm two weeks older than Robin. I thought he was older than me, but he's two weeks older than I am. <laughs> but the reason I don't have, I'm just kidding, I don't have a problem with my age is because I believe that when God saw fit, he's the one that planned for me to be born and brought me forth. Amen? You didn't have anything to do with it. Somebody had to have something to do with it. Well, it's God. Who, where does life and breath come from? It comes from God. Where does the Spirit come from? It comes from God on that deal like that. And so we did not, in a sense, choose when or where or these things in a sense we're going to be born. I'm trying to make it real personal right here with you. And that's why this. Now, if I'm going to show you something. I'm not going to talk about eschatology or anything. Studied it for decades. But I want to show you something. Y'all like maps around here and all these things. I don't have a map, but I'm going to show you a graph here in just a minute. I want to show you something that I hope that will minister to you at the time and the sense that we were living in at what the hand of God has done. Because since I was asking the Lord, since I was searching for some, trying to find out in a sense of what times and a sense that we live in, since God is the one that has appointed the times and for every man everywhere in a sense to be called unto Him and every man everywhere to repent and to know Him, God is the one who has set forth these generations. And so with a simple graph today, it's going to speak volumes to us. If you would just put that up. Y'all allow me to walk around and see if I can help with this just a little bit here. Okay. if If you could look across the horizon of humanity, uh, I don't know if you consider that Adam was 4,000 years before Christ or 2,000 years before Abraham. However, in a sense, you want to look at it. I've checked as much information as I could find on what had happened before Christ was here, in a sense, with the earth. But if you would, would look across, they, if we went back to Adam, let's just say that that was 4,000 years, and then come 1850 to the year 1850, that would be 5,000 850 years before the first 1 billion people was on the face of the earth. It took all of that time, what all had happened, 5,850 years to get the first billion. And when you see this right here in this corner where the uh, chart is making this exponential curve, it needs to be a little bit more curved there. This is the best that I can make it up here, right here. Then what we're seeing is, is that that was the first billion something happened on the face of the earth and order that. Now, if you'll look at that graph, it's a time and a period and a day that has not ever been before. It's a sign to us. It's showing us something. God who has set the times and has set the appointments and the place. Now, if you would look across the horizon of humanity, you're going to see a mountain. And the mountain is what we're in right now is at this end. This chart is in billions. The numbers are so large. When Jesus was on the face of the earth, there was probably about 170 to 175 million people. That's about as close as, in a sense, as we can get it. The world's population from 1900 to 1950 uh, almost doubled, but it did more than double from 1950 to 2000. Right now, what took 5,850 years on planet Earth is now happening in about 11 years, give or take a month or so. There's 140 
Over 140 million people born every year, but we have a lot of deaths. And so it still kicks it out under 100 million a year. But something unprecedented is happening here on the sense on the earth here. And God saw fit for us to be here during the greatest hour, the greatest population explosion that there has ever been here on the earth. And it's got something to do with us in a sense and why we're here. He's calling us all people everywhere in a sense to be saved. Now, if we would look at John chapter 4, and we would look at the, I'm going to take us to the woman, the woman that Jesus met at the well. And I want to point something out here that he said to her. Something here is very serious, and I'll see if I can get that going here. Um, the woman was, Jesus was talking to the woman. His disciples had gone to find something to eat. And as Jesus talked to the woman, of course, they had their religious conversation. Jesus identified himself to her, told her everything that he knew about her. She goes here to take off. She takes off. His disciples came back and marveled that they were talking to a woman, but no one said anything. What do you seek or why are you talking to her? So the woman left the water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went to the town and they were coming unto him. In the meanwhile, the disciples urging him, Rabbi, eat. But he said something to them that's very powerful. He said, I have food to eat that you know not of. They didn't understand the situation. We're not picking on them. They didn't understand the situation. They weren't, they weren't seeing the spiritual side of something in a sense that was natural. So they would ask, well, has anyone brought him something in a sense to eat? And then Jesus said unto them, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, I don't believe that that verse is just in a sense for Jesus. I think Jesus being the head of the church, I think Jesus is talking about something spiritual here. We know that he is because he goes on and points it out. And he says, do you not say, or are you not saying this, that in four months, then comes the harvest? He says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white. I just believe that that lady went down and told the people in the village, come see the Christ. They responded to this lady. They were coming back up to this hill. The disciples were thinking about natural harvest in four months. Man, you got to live. You live off the harvest. The harvest is important. The harvest is what sustains them. The harvest is what provides for them. The harvest is that important. But Jesus is talking about something spiritual that's even more important. Okay. And he says, lift up your eyes and see the field. Here comes these people. So he points to them and he says, already the one... See that the fields are white for harvest. He's not talking about the natural harvest that's sustaining them. He's talking about the spiritual harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper rejoice together. He is calling the gathering of the fruit. He's calling the people the fruit of the earth. He's calling the people the harvest here being ripe and being ready. Well, when Jesus said these words, 
like I said, there was about 170, 175 million people on the face of the earth. The harvest is 47 times greater than when Jesus said those words. More than 47 times. November the 15th, as you know, we passed 8 billion people on the face of the earth. Things are changing. Time's accelerated. What took thousands of years to have an explosion in population is now happening in a little more than a decade of a billion people. We just passed that. It's called the precious fruit of the earth. It's called that God planned for you and me to be here at this time. The reason I'm not worried about my age is because I believe that God planned it and I've been running for a long time and there's other people that are running. There's younger people that are going to have to pick up and keep running with what's planned on them. God has a plan. The eternal fruit. So there has never been 8 billion people on the face of the earth before. It's not time for the brakes. It's time for the gas pedal. It's time for the church to be the church and the church worldwide to be doing its part. And that includes all of us. With what Jesus said, Jesus said he's natural and spiritual. He's saying, that which sustains me, that which I live for, is to do the will of the Father, the one who sent me. And to finish that work. I think that's for us. I don't think that's just for Jesus. He's the head of the body. We're the body. Our passion, our what we live for, should be what? To do the will of God and to finish our course and to finish our race and to do what God has for each one of us to do. For the very reason that He birthed us into existence, which there's no escape from, He's birthed us into that. But what does he want? He wants the harvest. He wants all of us. He wants everyone. He's called every man everywhere to repent. One sows, another one reaps. I send you to reap that for which you did no labor. Others have labored and have entered into their labor. I have stepped into other people's labors. If you think about it, you probably have too. We are in this country. There's been labors that have gone before us from a long time ago of the history of this country. We're stepped down. That's why you hear me say people that have prayed, that have gone before us, that have prayed and sown the seeds, we are products of those that have prayed and have gone before us in that sense. Jesus points out, he says, that the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Well, it's 47 times what it was when he said that. The laborers are few. Then he says, pray ye to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth more laborers into his harvest. Amen. That's a very easy prayer to pray. We've got scripture for it. We've got faith for it. We know it's the will of God. And so we do pray that. And we continue to pray that. Something that I have learned from that, maybe you already, in a sense, know that, 
is, is that I use this also if I have, I've done it many times, I have a relative that lives in another part away from me. And I was not able to go and to be with them at this particular time. But I prayed to God and asked Him, Lord, I'm asking for a laborer that you would send across my aunt's path, one who could reach her. God knows who can reach who, and He knows who's ripe. One who could reach her, and I prayed for that laborer, in a sense, to go before that person. And I prayed it also for a, an uncle, and the Lord did it. He, 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 I couldn't reach him. I tried, but God had someone that could reach him. I prayed for that. Now, if you pray, how many like that prayer? You like that prayer? Okay. All right. If you like that prayer, then that also add a little bit more to it. It's just me. Add a little bit more to it is, is that you be willing to be the answer of someone else praying for a laborer to be sent across the path of the people that are around you. Amen. In other words, that God is praying for some people right here or all around us and that we're willing to be that laborer in that sense. And we are, and there's many of us, many laborers that are here in that sense of that church. The harvest truly is plentiful, spiritual and physical. And those that have gone before us and have worked, we are reaping in a sense. But this, I cannot step away from seeing this world population explosion and not wonder what is going on. What needs to be going on, what I need to be doing, where I need to be, that's why you have to pray. I think it's very important. I don't mean to upset anybody, but I think it's very important to ask God and to make sure that you're in the right place at the right time for the right reason. Amen? The right place for the right time for the right reason because God's got a plan for your life. Amen? He's got a plan for everyone's life. He's called everyone to come in. If you've not crossed that line of faith and received Jesus as your personal Savior, you need to. Because if you want to spend eternity with the Lord and, and be happy with Him forever, you need to cross, cross that line. It's hard to enter the first of the year. If we talk about things first of the year, I ask myself this question. Has there ever been a time that I've been more spiritual than I am right now? What's happened? Or did I back up any? I'm a man who's afraid to back up. I backed up once before and it didn't work out. It was bad. So I have to stay on the hot plate. I have to stay in early morning prayer. And I have to stay through that. God's not my problem. I'm my problem. I have to have God working on me. I can't faith everything. I have to have God to be real to me. I have to know who to give my resources to. I have to know where I'm supposed to be. I have to know these things. And God, being intimate with God and in prayer, you can know these things. If you're going through life and you're not in the will of God, it's like you're taking a shower with your clothes on. And you know that something's wrong. This just isn't right. This just really isn't life. And no matter how crazy it may be when God's will is in your 100% sold out in a sense to God, and we make mistakes and God has to help us and forgive us and pick us up and keep us going. But when you're in the will of God, 
this right here is lined up with God. When your heart is right with God, you can march into those rough places and you can handle all kinds of things that can happen and come at you. And you can be uh, the salt and you can be the light and you can have the power of God living inside of you. The greater one, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? Hallelujah. And on a good note, on an on a exciting note here, I'm going to read Psalms, Psalms to you. I probably left out a lot of things here. But I can't get away from my purpose. I've spent over 40 years in ministry and been in so many places and a lot of things. Um, but God's not through with me yet. He's not through with you either. As long as I follow His purpose and His plan and stay close to Him, I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to fulfill my purpose. Don't miss your purpose. I don't want to one day, it almost happened, but I don't want to one day, God to pull back the curtain on me and say, this is what I had for you, George, and you didn't do it or you missed it. Because God's got great things for all of us. Amen? Every one of us is special to God. Every one of us was created and it's His breath that's in us. Every one of us has been set forth on this earth at this time that He brought you forth. It's our time to do the will of God and to finish His work. Amen? And then we'll see the rejoicing, Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us that Your way may be known on the earth, Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the people, all the people, God. That's our prayer. All the people praise You, God. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for You judge the people with equity, and guide the nations upon the earth. What's he doing? He's guiding the nations on the earth. He's doing his, he's active. He's doing his work. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. That's a good word there. Increase. Opportunity. Increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, let all the ends of the earth reverence and know God and serve Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You. We thank You that You've got a plan that is so much bigger than any of us can possibly see. The heavens declare Your glory. There's no end to them. There's no end to You. There's no end to Your plan. Oh God, you've opened it up and you've given us this time and this place to be in. Oh God, you've given us our life and breath. Oh God, you're showing us spiritual things that are more powerful than natural things, oh God. You're showing us eternity. You've put eternity in our hearts, oh God. You're showing us eternity. You're showing us what is important and what is your will, O oh God, that is working in us, that is pleasing unto you, both for us to will and to do of your good pleasure. It's you, O oh God, that's working in us. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you for laborers. We thank you, Lord, that laborers have ministered to us and have 
given us the gospel and have brought us forth. We thank you for the workers that have gone before us. We thank you for all that. Lord, we thank you today for raising up more and more and more as the harvest is 47 times, 47 times the population that it was when Jesus was on the earth. The precious fruit of the earth. Oh God, strengthen your church on this earth. Hallelujah. God, you've given us the equipment to rise up in faith and in your power and in your word. Hallelujah. Let those things drop off of us that we don't need, Lord. Strengthen us with your might and power by your spirit and your word, which both agree in our hearts that we can say our food is to do your will, O God, and to finish, finish the course. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, George, for reminding us about the great opportunities that God has given us right now. And now we have the opportunity to do communion together. And as we do communion together, uh, I just want to let those of you that are visiting know that uh, we practice open communion here at St. Paul's, meaning that you don't have to be a member of St. Paul's. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then we invite you to join us because this is the Lord's table, not St. Paul's table. Uh, up here in front, we have grape juice on this side and wine on this side and bread, and we even have gluten-free bread, and you can be served at the front or the back in just a few minutes. Um, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, we just ask that you remain in your seats and observe this, this sacrament, uh, because this, this sacrament is only for those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Uh, before we before we invite people to come up and receive the elements, uh, I'll just let you all know, too, that what we do is we have you come and receive the elements and then sit down, and then we'll all partake together in, in a few minutes. I'd just like to mention um, a verse here from John uh, chapter 3, and uh, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a teacher. And he said, as Moses was lifted up, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And, and in this verse, he's referring to something that would be very well known to a Jewish teacher from Numbers 21. And it's a story where the people of Israel are wandering in the wilderness because they've been disobedient and complaining. And they get to a new low, and they start complaining even more and become more disobedient. And at this moment, God sent serpents. And, and they're bitten by serpents. And the only way that they can survive is they look at this bronze serpent that's lifted up. And, and then if they do, they can survive. Now, the good news is they lived. The bad news is they later died. Um, but Jesus goes on to say this. He says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of, must the Son of Man be lifted up, that who, whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is an astonishing thing that Jesus is saying. He's saying that I'm lifted up like the serpent, but the serpent allowed them to survive, but then they later died. But if you believe in me, and, and what happened when I'm lifted up, dying on the cross, my body broken, my blood shed, 
then you can have eternal life. That's an astonishing thing. And that's what we commemorate this morning. We commemorate this opportunity for us to just see how God has worked miraculously to restore us to himself through his body broken and his blood shed on the cross. And so before we, we, we ask come up for the elements, I'm going to ask you to just take a moment and ponder this great, great thing that God has given us. Lord, as we receive these elements, we just thank you that the body and the blood of Christ